Hey loves, just a quick heads up before the episode that enrollment for the Tarot for the Wild Soul course is officially open. It only opens once a year. It's a brand new version of the course. Absolutely so incredible, so powerful. I truly can't wait to go on this journey with the folks who feel called to it. Um, you can learn all about the course and sign up for the course, everything you could ever want to know by going to tarotforthewildsoul.com. Enrollment will only be open for two and a half weeks. So if you want to uh, take the leap and if you're feeling called, I encourage you to consider doing so soon. Uh, again, that's tarotforthewildsoul.com. So you can check it out or sign up there. This is Tarot for the Wild Soul, a weekly tarot podcast about life, death, and rebirth, hosted by me, Lindsay Mack. Welcome back to Tarot for the Wild Soul Loves. Such a joy to be with you in this space today, and always. Um, this is a really special episode of the podcast for many reasons. Uh, one, simply being that it's been a really long time coming. It's been... Uh, a, a cherished, uh, I won't say a cherished dream, but certainly something that's been really bubbling and brewing, simmering on the cauldron for years has been um, a tarot and the inner child. I wasn't sure quite what it wanted to be, maybe a podcast episode, maybe a class. And this feels like the exact right time and the exact right medium. Um, and I also think it's special because the inner child is so special as much as many of us may struggle to feel like we are connected with our inner children, and we're going to talk a bit about that today. But I think it's also special because um, the format of this episode is going to be a little bit like my episode a couple weeks back, Anchor Cards for a Pandemic, where we're really going to go into a topic that I think is very particular to the now, very medicinal. Um, in response to COVID-19 and to the pandemic and is maybe an area that has been causing some of the folks listening to this a lot of suffering and a lot of pain that you may not have really realized was the source of some of your pain. Maybe not. Um, maybe there's been a tug on your you know, shirt sleeve or a tap on your shoulder again and again and again and in some way, in some form. And um, for many of us, you know, a tug or a tap from some part of us that might feel slightly unknown to us, might feel a little bit too wild or too messy or too intense or, you know, we just don't want to fucking go there. We don't want to deal with it. And that is... Um, most likely your inner child. And although we might not be really realizing it, um, this time, this experience in the history of this pandemic is bringing forward a lot of invitations. You know, we may not certainly understand the full scope and perhaps never will understand the full scope of this experience. Um, we're very much in the present moment unfolding of it. We're still at a huge time of um, of what my teacher would say, deciding, getting to really decide, make our choices 
around what we can control. How are we available to be with the things that arise? How are we available to tend those things? You know, what's coming up in our day-to-day? Everybody's journey is so different through this very collective experience. And so there's so much that we don't know still. But what we do know is something, one thing that we've talked about a lot before on this podcast, which is that we certainly know that there are many things that are happening right now for everybody, many people, everybody is really paying attention to their body. Most people don't even remember they have a body, and yet everyone's attention is laser-focused. How is my body? Am I okay? Even if it's anxiousness, it's still focused on the body. And that's something. It's not good. It's not bad. It's just what's happening right now. So that's one thing. Another thing is that um, there is a lot of calling in and a lot of attention being drawn to the heart and the lungs, to the grief centers, to what we've been holding in terms of grief and trauma, what's been present, the heartbreaks, the pieces here that have been um, stored in these areas for so long. We're being invited to reclaim the fact that we have feelings. Most of us walk around and we have no perception. Most people (laughs) feel that way. You're probably not listening to this podcast. (laughs) feel like this podcast is full of very rich and vibrant feelers, which is wonderful. But we are, we're, we're thinking, we're feeling, we're thinking about our bodies, our breath, our death. We're thinking about death. We're talking about death for the first time, literally for the first time, as a planet, as a collective. It's a big deal. It's a huge invitation to drop into those places and to reclaim part of the medicine that was lost there, including some of the wounding and some of the joy that has been there for a long time, living within our bodies and how these bodies engage with the world around us. What is happening right now is also in equal measure and an equal urgency inviting us to reclaim and care for and tend to our inner children, our inner child. So that's what we're talking about today is whether you've been consciously aware of it or not, a thorn in the collective foot that we've been trying to walk around with for the last weeks, months, however long you have personally, depending on where you are in the world, been dealing with the whisper or the brush of coronavirus. And then, you know, perhaps a lockdown or a shutdown or social distancing. Again, everybody we're experiencing this so, so spiralically and so holographically where one, you know, it's the same, um, impetus, but we're all experiencing it on slightly different timelines and in slightly different ways. Um, So what we're going to be talking about is a little bit about what is the inner child, really? (laughs) Like what, what is it and why, why is it important to draw our attention to the inner child in general, but specifically now and how we can do it and how tarot can help. So a couple, just a couple of small things. Um, so I want to really name here. I'm not an expert on the inner child. What I'm sharing is born of what I know 
for myself, my lived experience. Um, I may speak in ways throughout this lesson that um, use languaging such as we have inner children that are or, uh, you know, that, that speak on behalf of the whole. Of course, that's not exhaustive. And of course, I, I'm not the parent of your inner child. So it's truly imagine like a bird flying above the ocean, like truly the most generalized um, uh, um, reflections of what it is to uh, be in a body and have an inner little one. Um, and also just really laying my humility and my beginner's mind at your feet as well, that I'm the parent of an inner little one. And it's really hard to be the parent of an inner little one. And we can name that. And I fuck up as a parent all the time and I'm still totally learning. So, um, I remember I had a lot of wounding for a long time thinking like, oh, if anybody knows how bad my feelings were about my inner little one, how much I resented her, hated her, how shitty, like I've been to her, how, you know, all this stuff, they would just be so horrified. So if you need to hear that from somebody such as myself, I'm happy to offer that to you. <laughs> um, I think that's step one here that we can acknowledge. We are human beings squeezed into these little fucking bodies in this, with these souls that are so huge and universal and massive trying to parent our little ones because that is the spiral of life is that the minute we born we are born we begin to grow into our own parent most people don't do it and keep looking for other forms of attachment you know hand raised right here <laughs> um in certain ways but um I can speak to what it is to have a relationship with your inner child that's rich and rewarding. And I can speak to what it is to really hate and resent your inner child and move through the other side of that. Um, so I'm just going to speak from the experience that I know without in any way claiming to be an expert on this. There are people who are probably much, much, much further along with this than I am, but I did feel called to talk about it today for what it's worth. Um, and I certainly can speak very confidently to what I do share and definitely to the piece about the tarot. So I do hope this serves. Um, so whether you knew it or not, you have an inner child. Whether you uh, like your inner child, feel your inner child, what your perception is of your inner child, you do have one because you were once a child. And... Um, that part of you is the essence of the inner child. It's really been shown to me is this kind of magical bridge between the adult self and the soul. It's very much, um, it's, the inner child is the piece that kind of helps us remember, a la Peter Pan, that we know how to fly. We forget. The inner child keep is a memory keeper. The inner child is a lore keeper. They're story keepers. They remember. They remember the stories. When things happened before we were too young to verbally express them, 
you know, we kept that tucked inside. Um, if we grew up in abusive environments, the inner child literally kept us safe. And yet we have this crazy, frankly, perception of the inner child being too childish, too juvenile. You know, I'm adult. I'm an adult. I don't have time for this bullshit. Because we all do that. Like, absolutely, we all do that. Or at least we all do that from time to time, I should say. Um, but actually, the inner child is the definition of fierceness and the definition of tenderness and also of what it means to be wild and what it really means to be raw and messy and deeply feeling and in all of the things that are essentially coming up right now in what we're going through. And many of us are really challenged by that right now because pretty much everybody on the planet right now has a very um, in need inner child and a very stressed out and overwhelmed inner caretaker, inner adult. And both of them deserve care and compassion. We have to nourish both the inner parent and the inner child. We're going to talk about that today. Um, but we all have these inner children and whether it doesn't matter how dressed up, <laughs> suited up, cinched up we get in this life. It doesn't matter how adult we believe ourselves to be. Our inner children, it is one remark, one comment, one situation away from blowing out from basically like underneath us and um, really taking the wheel of our car. And we all know that feeling when somebody says something that's so deeply deeply triggers us. And when we maybe do our work around that, we can maybe uh, find that the people to whom we're reflecting it to may be in deep validation of us. And they may also say, uh, I don't know if that person had the intention that, you know, or, or we talk to the person and they, you know, completely validate us and say, I hear you, I honor you. Um, I absolutely didn't, um, you know, intended that way and blah, blah, blah. And sometimes there's absolutely harm to clear up there. And other times that weird feeling that we can get where we're so deeply, deeply upset, so activated, so triggered, so hurt about something we can barely explain to someone. That's the inner child feeling wounded, feeling upset. And Ultimately, we can try forever. Most people, I think a lot of people, the majority of us, just try our whole lives to get people outside of us to kind of try to make that constant source of discomfort of the inner child wanting us, we put it out on the external. And we think, well, life has to meet me here so that I can feel more, more comfortable and what we're really saying is so my inner kid can feel safe. And a lot of the time when our inner child gets really uh, wounded or triggered or scared or upset, there's absolutely room, ample room to bring that to a person who may have incited that situation and speak on behalf of the inner child. But the first place we want to start 
is not in the confronting, but is in scooping ourselves up and saying, oh, sweetheart, that hurt your feelings. I'm so sorry. You want to tell me why? And actually giving ourselves the spaciousness to say, yes, I didn't feel witnessed. I didn't feel validated. I feel like that person meant to hurt me by saying that. And we may not know. It doesn't matter if they're right. The point is that they have the space to say it. So think about where you are right now. Maybe feeling scared yourself right now, not knowing necessarily what's going to happen or what, um, you know, what lies ahead with, with all the uncertainty that's happening right now. Maybe there's a lot of anxiety, a lot of panic. Maybe there's some feelings of hopelessness or some feelings of despair. Maybe there's some huge rage feelings, how unfair this is, how enraged we might feel with other people right now, how upset we might be that we have to deal with this, how short our fuse might feel. Those big, big, big feelings, yes, we're feeling that as adults, but so are our inner children, and they're not the same. The inner, What the adult needs in terms of medicine and tending isn't going to be what the little kid needs. And all of our kids are really needing us right now. And by the way, that's been the case forever, pre-corona. <laughs> this is a pre-corona condition. <laughs> is like we're all responding from the inner child. We all say things and we'll later go, oh my God. Like, and, and not judging ourselves, we're truly thinking like, wow, that was a really you know, maybe volatile response or irrational response or, you know, um, wow, I made that decision and gee, I just wish I hadn't. And it's not contractive regret. It's truly having the feeling like that feeling that I felt was so valid. And yet the way I responded from it is not making me really feel like what I was needing or wanting, what, that it actually got fed, you know, that, that feeling like, oh, I tried to pour all this water in my cup and I still feel empty. That's typically a situation where the inner child really needs something. We assume, well, I'll fix it and I'll fix it like an adult fixes things, but we completely bypass and miss the opportunity to just tend ourselves. So we have a million opportunities to do that right now. And I think truly if there was something that could really change the world, that we could really see a shift that could blow the world on its, in the best of ways, not in a bad way, <laughs> blow the world in a great way, um, could completely transform, you know, so much of what's out of alignment, out of balance, not serving the whole collective. It's people coming to pick up their kids from the place that they left them. This is the reason we're not able to listen to other people. When other people come, you know, and call us in, you know, sometimes other people come to us and they say, hey, you know, this thing happened. I want to call you in. I want to talk to you about this. And even if they are coming from a place that's pure inner child, it's still possible for us to step forward as the adult and meet them as the adult even if their child is communicating on their behalf. And there are times when, ideally, we have two adults who are in a safe situation where they're both communicating on behalf of their inner kids. Um, most of us are just talking kid to kid, 
I've had relationships where literally I've never had an adult conversation with the other adult (laughs) that I've been in a relationship with, you know? So we don't need to have shame about this. We don't need to have judgment about this. We don't need to have any kind of guilt, any of that story, because this is everybody. Nobody is better, far off, worse. Like, you know, this is everyone. It's work you do over the course of your lifetime. So some of our inner kids literally run our lives, you know, and some of us uh, don't even know we have inner kids, you know, that's, we're all, it's all good wherever you find yourself on this. Um, inner children are the place where really the hottest, most intense, beautiful, multifaceted, magnificent array from, you know, all the fabrics and textures that you could ever imagine feeling or sensing into and all of the natural occurrences, be them, be they volcanoes and, you know, the blooming of spring and the, the, the softness of snow, inner children contain all of those multitudes. They are the parts of us that say, I am not afraid to take up space here. I will cry for what I need. I will respond. I will scream in the middle of your dinner party. Um, And we work very, very hard over the course of our lives to stuff that down way far. So we're accepted and we're liked and depending on how we were raised to survive. um, But that's still in there. You still have calderas (laughs) and mountains and velvety skies and the fierceness of a million, you know, horses and um, the softness of a breeze inside of you and, and in terms of feeling and um, and potency. And, and that's all, that's all thanks to your inner child holding that space for you. So the parts of us that feel all the things are the inner child. Um, how do we know the difference between the brain and the inner child? I can credit this purely, purely to my teacher, Michelle, who taught this to me. I would never have known this without Michelle. So there's a full bow of honoring and lineage here. The brain has a tendency to want to attack. There's an accusation, typically a story in some way that's um, hinged on there, there's something wrong. There's a harshness, typically, to the voice of the brain. There's a story about us failing in some way, us fucking up wanting to kind of pull us away from expansion, typically back into the safety of what we know. And those voices of brain and inner child can seem really different, but the intention of them, the tone of them, that's what's different, is that the brain really wants us to be smaller in judgment. The inner child deeply wants and desires reassurance and comfort. So it wants, it's, it's a smaller voice. It wants to be tended. It says, oh gosh, what if that happens? You know, that's the inner child. The voice that says like, you fuck up, that's the brain. (laughs) You know, the voice that says, um, you know, um, oh my God, that, you know, that really hurt my feelings. 
you know, that's the inner child. And, the, and, you know, the story that says, you know, they're out to get you. That's the brain, you know, not that the, the brain always talks like a monster, you know, or like a bad guy in a movie, but um, there's a different tone to from brain to, to inner child. And um, it's a it's a beautiful illumination that Michelle, my teacher, um, uh, shared with me and that I've shared with my students with her permission. And this is um, an, an, an extension of that sharing. Um, they, our inner kids really do respond differently than we do as adults. And we need to give them different things. That's why the, you know, to, to help them move through experiences. That's why it's so important to be having this conversation right now, because everyone's inner child is screaming for them to pick them up, talk to them, pay attention to them. And we're so fucking overwhelmed. Some of us caring for our own biological children in the house all day um, with with a job full time. Some of us with no job and our biological children at home. Some of us deeply, you know, desperately missing our biological children for one reason or another, you know, and um, and, and perhaps in grief or in anger or in, you know, all kinds of situations. And some of us with no biological children who are stressed to shit. And of course the collective cry is like, get the fuck out of here. I don't have time to deal with you right now. So we often say that to ourselves, right? Fear and, 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 you know, vulnerability bubble up and we go get the fuck out of here. I don't have time for this. I got to work. You know, and it's the equivalent of essentially, um, like doing that to your own kid, like your own literal kid or a kid that you love or a dog that you love. And and that's something that you treasure and cherish and would, would literally, you know, throw a table over in order to kind of scoop them up and, you know, um, or, you know, not throw a table over. Although if you're like me in New Jersey, you might, but, um, you know, like a sweep everything off of a table in order to kind of like sit your child on top of it and give them a big squeeze. And it's, um, it's hard to sense into what the inner child is wanting. And a good clue is that it's probably something that you as the adult are like, Oh, what the fuck, you know? <laughs> so, um, you know, sometimes that can be hard. Again, we got to caretake the caretaker too, right? We do. Um, so, yeah, the inner children, often the places we judge in ourselves that we might wish were a lot less messy and a lot less wild, weirdly, um, because most of us are trying to touch into that wildness again. And yet we often don't assume that that reclaiming of the inner child is a part of that initiation. And it is. It really is. Um, and um, the pandemic and all that it's bringing forward really at the root. Um, now, uh, not at the root of the pandemic, but at the, the root of um, one of the biggest invitations. It, it's, it is a, a homecoming that's really possible between us and the parts of us that are holding the gate to everything we have been seeking since time immemorial our sense of psychic and intuitive connectiveness. That's all the inner child. 
Our sense of magic and play and imagination, that's your inner child. The sense of being able to play, to being able to tap into creativity, the sense of being able to touch into joy that doesn't cost anyone anything, the stuff that is so good that you might never um, even think of like posting it to Instagram or even telling anyone about. There are all of these um, wonderful moments of truly nutritive sweetness that are possible um, when we slowly, slowly reestablish a sense of bonding and trust with the inner child, even to just say, hi, I didn't even know you were in there. <laughs> or, hey, you know, I'm not sure how I feel about connecting with you right now, but I acknowledge you, see you. And, you know, maybe I might consider talking a little bit. We'll see how things go. That's enough to, to open a million doors, right? And yet, on our journey of touching into the heart and breath and the body and everything that's coming up as a result of being in these times of such extreme, um, again, unknown, and um, the inner child is, is actually really the torch holder that's helping us to move through these times. The inner child says, remember that you can take space. Remember that you can be raged. You can be enraged. <laughs> Remember that um, tantrums exist for, you know, good reason. Like we can, tantrums are available to you. It's okay to cry. It's okay to, to not read the news and, and um, use your hands in some way that is really meaningful to you, whether that be taking care of yourself in some way that feels meaningful or doing art in some way that feels meaningful. You know, what did you love to do as a kid? Was there something that really felt like, um, brought your child joy or even a sense of play? You know, it's, it's possible now and really quite important. And again, this need to be witnessed that's coming up for all of us from the inner child um, it is a part of this new paradigm that we're walking into because we can't really expand in the direction that we're all going in in terms of soul evolution without bringing the inner child with us. So it's very important to recognize the call here. You know, we're really being called back in, not just to reconnecting to a part of ourselves so that we actually feel the gift and the joy of what it is to be able to tend ourselves in moments when we're sad, scared, upset, so that if we do um, need to share, or if it is in alignment for us to share how something made us feel, it's coming from the adult, which is really the, the, um, a wonderful basis for nonviolent communication. Because the inner child has to be able to have the opportunity to really like let it rip. And often we let it rip to other people um, when the inner child might not necessarily want us to express that to anyone. It's just for us to receive because we're the parent. So um, very, you can imagine, so important right now. And we don't need to do anything about this. You don't need a fucking ritual. 
You don't need like a meditation to connect with your inner child. If you're pissed and upset, welcome. You're in. <laughs> That's This is it. It's grist for the mill, baby. This is it. Life is the practice. You know, like I got triggered today about something that had nothing to do with the person, nothing. They truly did not do anything. Sometimes people do trigger me and it, it, it's harmful, but um, my inner child got very triggered by something. And before prioritizing her as um, my number one priority, which I sometimes forget that, but for the most part, she is my number one priority. And it's certainly my intention to make her even more than that. Um, I would have gone right to that person and been like, Hey, this is how you made me feel. Here you go. Like, this is, you know, this is how this thing made me feel. This was the issue. This is, you know, I need you to not do this again, by the way, fucking great. I had to work very hard to be able to use my voice like that. I was, I was silenced for most of my life. And by the way, this is not an advocacy to not do that because there are times when it's important to just speak your piece and let people know how they affected you. But what I did instead of doing that, even though I wanted to, was I dropped right in and I put a hand on my heart and I named what I was feeling. You know, there was there were triggering, activation, not feeling seen, not feeling witnessed, not feeling heard, not feeling, um, you know, like different things. Um, and the more I went with it, the more it was like the, just this spaciousness and this opening to be able to let the feelings emerge of like, you know, wow, this is so much deeper and bigger than what this person said. This is about my mother wounding. This is about not being seen. This is about um, the desperate desire for love that I, I had as a child and, and didn't get met by parental figures. And um, I knew, and, and I asked my, my, after really holding her and letting some tears fall and really witnessing her and affirming her and making the time and the space to let her speak on what bothered her about that. I asked her and said, would you like me to say anything for you about this? And she said, no, she just wanted me to witness her. That was all. And if the time comes for me to say it, and that felt really right to me as the adult. So if the time ever comes where something needs to be said, I'm going to say it. <laughs> Obviously I have no problem doing that. Very direct communicator, but I do think, um, you don't need you, the next time you're, you get upset at something and it, it'll happen, right? You get the chance to practice this. You don't need to like, I feel like, um, I want to just really speak with the utmost respect and care here because I think everybody's work is, is their own zone of genius, but um, we don't need to do like any esoteric practices to connect to the inner child at all. Like you don't need to do any of that. In fact, where the bonds are really formed is it is when we have these big experiences and we sit with them because all the inner child wants from us is to know we've got them. And we as adults often think, I don't got them. I can't, I can't fix it. I can't give them what they're wanting. 
You don't have to fix anything. You just have to be there, which is like the hardest thing to do. And also the the easiest thing to do, you know, is to just, is to just tend it, to just witness it. You know, it's so normal to feel like with, with anyone or anything or any part of ourselves, when something big comes up, we can think, well, what do I do with this? And, and that's a huge lesson for me because I'm always like, well, okay, now that I know this, what do I do about it? Um, I'm sure I'm not alone in that. Um, but it's taken me a good deal of practice and, and repeated situations to realize like my, my kid just wants to be held she just wants to be upset for as long as she she's upset. She just wants to not be um, ignored or bypassed. And once I let that experience unfold for her, she was okay. You know, she was all right. And even if she wasn't all right, it would be okay too. You know, it's a little bit, we've definitely used this example before. It's a good example, but a little bit in Inside Out, the movie where um, Bing Bong's rocket gets pushed off of the edge of that cliff and sadness sits with Bing Bong and really just names, um, you know, they took your rocket and they took something you loved and now it's gone and Bing Bong gets the chance to really cry and then says, you know, okay, I feel better now. Let's, let's keep going. And that's the medicine of being able to sit with and tend to grief when it comes up. And the inner child is really in this time of huge collective grief and huge collective trauma we have an opportunity to actually heal some of the deepest wounding for our inner child and have reparative experiences because we really can no longer let them be untended anymore or to identify with them or respond from them rather than caretaking them and being an advocate for them which is a big deal so it's important to come get our kids you know, come get our kids so they're not behind the wheel of the car, kind of squashed in the back with all the luggage and to let them be free in the car seat, in the back seat while we're driving so that they can sing and play and scream and do whatever they want, but they know we've got them. And that's really what we're recentering into right now. Who's minding our kids? We have to be the ones minding our kids because the planet can't support it anymore you know, pretty much all the major decisions being made in the world are happening um, from the place of the inner child, typically. Uh, so it's really important, you know, to to just develop some skills about checking in around that. Um, so yeah, the majority of folks on the planet are working with fed up, unhappy, frightened, tantruming inner children right now. And it's not new. We are often walking around with our children feeling like that. It's just become more emergent. Um, and with this ping-ponging of the adult feeling so overwhelmed and the kid needing so much, it's been really, really hard. Um, so first of all, I want to just name that that's there. And also to say that I feel like what I'm speaking about with regard to the inner child is really just, you know, it's really scratching the surface because I'm not an expert. I'm an, an imperfect um, self-parent just like you who's really trying the best that they can to, to, make, to make life as, as safe as it can for my inner kid. 
and I often screw up. And so uh, this is just an opportunity to start thinking about this because I think it's really crucial. And it's part of the reason why a lot of us are numbing out right now, dissociating right now, overwhelming ourselves right now, um, which are all fine expressions of our of our of our care because that's really where it comes from is the attempt to feel okay. Um, but it is possible to consider and available for us to consider now that um we can do some different things if we're willing to touch in with the inner children that are really, really, really calling out for us right now. And all we have to do, all we have to do to make the step that moves the world as far as that's concerned is to just name, recognize, and see them. See that they're see that they're there. So if you're feeling a desperate desire or, or, um, you know, for some kind of external validation, like if you're wanting something, if it's kind of running your life, if it's, um, you know, if you feel like you have a knowing about something that it's really rooted in your adult self. And then all of a sudden you think like, wait, maybe I shouldn't be doing that. Sometimes it's brain, but sometimes it's the inner child and it's good to check it out. So, um, but all of it comes down to the same thing. Your inner child wants you as shitty and as ill-equipped as you might feel as a parent. They, all they want is you and you don't have to fix anything. You can call in other people to help you be with your kid. I had to do that for years before I could be in the same room with my inner child by myself. This is not an attempt to throw anyone in the deep end of the pool. Cause we're going to talk in just a moment about some tarot cards that can help us touch in with I think like four little gateways um, and four tarot cards that can really help us drop in to different ways of connecting with our inner children. And some of these ways can be really, really potent and some of them can be really triggering depending on what our relationship is right now. And by the way, just want to name once more your inner caretaker is here to be validated too. So if you're like, fuck the inner child, I want to do this shit. Of course you feel that way because your inner adult is scared and overwhelmed and also needs support and care. So these four things also apply, I believe, to the inner adult. And weirdly, I think that they can exist. Um, you know, these four cards can really help us, um, you know, feel into what is possible when we look to cards as being an anchor for both caretaker tending and inner child tending, because both are here for us, both are, are open different gateways and yet serve the same purpose. So, um, yeah, just something to start thinking about, you know, you know, just, uh, you know, what would it be to start caretaking both our little ones and supporting the inner parents within? You know, what would it be like to honor the inner child, to, to scoop them up and caretake them and learn what it is to see what belongs to you and see what belongs to your kid? So what are these four cards, these four tenants? So um, these are four, again, I'm we use the term gateways, um, that 
um, I believe can provide a little tap on the top of that eggshell that can really start things moving a little bit in terms of avenues and gateways in to touch him with the inner child and have reparative experiences with them and ideally caretake our, um, our, our inner caretakers. And those four gateways are play, feeling our feelings, reclaiming our magic, and compassion. So very simple. Um, the card that really came forward as the space holder for play, interestingly enough, is Ten of Cups. Um, Ten of Cups is a major anchor card for inner child work. Major. Um, precisely because we go on this whole journey in the cups, this huge journey of seeking and desire and wanting and longing and making wishes and all these different things, not related to romantic love or pursuits really in reality, but we, we go on this journey of knowing ourselves, knowing our feelings and, and being able to, to touch in with these parts of us and with longing and messiness. My therapist, Jen, once said, my beloved therapist who I adore, it takes a, a lot of courage to want. It takes a lot of courage to desire, to have longing. And it does. You know, it takes so much, so much guts to do that. And that's what we really learn about in the cup suit. What is it to long for community, for forms of love that apply to us, for, um, you know, nurturance and safety? And what is it to feel the depth of our grief and to feel um, when doors open and close and to actually be able to work with those things so that those parts of us stay dexterous and open. Um, the cups in and of themselves are really a huge gateway to the inner child, but I think 10 of cups really is and can provide us with the medicine of play because play, I don't know about you, but is pretty triggering for most people I know who are trauma survivors and play can feel challenging to me. Certainly, um, as a trauma survivor and as an abuse survivor, but Ten of Cups is very, very helpful for both the adult self and the child self because the old school, old paradigm definition of Ten of Cups really is centered in you got everything you wanted. You get everything you wanted. Wishes granted. Done deal. You know, there's harmony. There's happiness. You're going to have a family. You're going to get married. Like, that's super old school. But usually it's this, it's, it's hinged on this idea of all that you've longed for, all that you've wanted, you're going to get it. And as lovely as that is, it's not true. And I'm not saying that you're not going to get everything that you've ever wanted in this life because <laughs> you may. And I, I, I don't, can't say I want it for you because I've wanted some things that I will later look back on and be like, oh my God, shudder. Um, but I, there is a sense of being overly preoccupied as most, unfortunately, older, more old paradigm, old school definitions of tarot are. And the truth is something far more powerful and much more tangible, much less, way less um, predicated on what we're going to, quote, get externally, which is it asks us to be available 
to the joy and the beauty that is right here. And that can bring up a lot, especially in a situation and in a moment when so many of us are deeply, deeply struggling. We're afraid when so many of us have lost our jobs, when we don't know when our next, we don't know where our next the check is going to come from, you know, these, um, really intense situations, um, to find the joy in that, to find the, the, the fun, the play, to find the stuff in life that really makes us feel like it lights us up. Like what, you know? And yet I think that that is really, um, something that is, very present and available to us right now. Not necessarily, and really at all, a bypassing of the reality of what's going on, but also being present to some of the reality that the brain hides from us when it tries to convince us that everything is shit. Because yeah, everything can be shit. And at this moment, is it shit for you right now, other than the story in your mind? Or are you sitting, maybe looking out on nature right now? Maybe you're enjoying a really sweet cup of coffee right now. Maybe you're in a bath right now. Maybe you're in your bed. It might be really nice to be in your bed. Maybe you really like your sheets. Maybe you're sleeping right now with a partner or with a pet or with a child or with a stuffed animal or with something that feels nourishing. And that's enough. That's enough, believe it or not, to start sparking the energy of play that in and of itself. There's a reason why there's always a rainbow on this card. Not always, but often. And I've spoken about this before. Uh, This is an older, much more deeply rooted teaching of mine, but that rainbows, you know, we can be like driving. We'll see a rainbow. We'll pull over. We'll be in like a line of people and everyone's like, oh my God, rainbows stop the show. And part of it is because they're so beautiful and also because they fade very quickly. And it can be very easy when we see a rainbow to feel that sense of emergent joy, to be like, oh my God, I have to pull my car over. I really want to see it. I want to be present with it. That's what 10 of cups is. It doesn't take away from the fact that eventually you'll be back in your car and you'll be working with the same stuff that you were working with when you were driving your car. And it doesn't go away. We don't make any of that go away. It doesn't negate it any, you know, at all. We're just making room for the other piece of it. We're actually balancing out those scales a little bit more. So it's not so much of, um, this can really come across sometimes when we're in this energy where, um, when 10 of cups is really available to us and we're sort of denying it, there can be this real sense of like, no, we keep driving. And then the inner child's unhappy and they're screaming because they want to hang out with the rainbow. When really the adult needs the rainbow too. The adult needs the reminder like, oh yeah, there are things that are still happening in life that are, are beautiful, that bring joy. And that is actually so much more fucking radical than, um, any over-reliance on, because, Again, it's very radical to reclaim what feels hard and challenging, and it is extremely radical, equally radical to say in the midst of suffering, in the midst of trauma, in the midst of fear, 
there is this rainbow in my life. And it doesn't negate anything, but it also helps to provide the other side of the sphere. Play doesn't need to be that we're on the floor playing with toys. And by the way, if that's a part of your experience with your inner child, go for it. But um, that's not what it means. It means that we are available to be in the stuff of life that sparks a sense of connection and of enjoyment. It's what's right here. It's what's literally right here. To literally stop what you're doing and look around what's beautiful. You know, right now, one of my favorite things in the world, oddly enough, and one of the things that I will most miss, I say that jokingly, um, when I, about the planet, once I'm gone from it, is dappled light. I love dappled light. And it's pretty basic. I don't really care what you think. <laughs> I love dappled light. And uh, I've lived in apartments for, you know, years where I didn't see any. And there's dappled light all over the house I'm living in in Oregon. And I'm looking at some right now. And that's a big time Ten of Cups feel. And um, it's really sweet. And it'll be gone soon because the sun is going to set in a little bit. and. That can be enough to be able to um, spark some memory, make us feel a little bit more centered, remind us of what feels good, remind us of what feels joyful, remind us of what fills our cup up. And it can be incredibly nourishing to tune into what does my, what are the rainbows my adult wants to stop the car for? And what are the rainbows that my kid really wants to stop the car for? And can I engage with both? If my adult really loves these kinds of rainbows and is feeling very ungenerous about like stopping the car for these, you know, rainbows that my kid wants, you know, how can there be a little bit of space for both so that all of the cups of joy and by the way, when I say joy, I don't mean um, to presume that in any way uh, you're going to necessarily feel happy. Um, joy to me is um, an experience of deeply rich enjoyment that is not necessarily connected to a steady emotional state. Joy is a spark. Happiness might be a more sustained thing. I don't know. I'm sure. Um you know, but happy is, is, is very basic in terms of the descriptive power of it. And we can feel immense joy in the midst of rage or sadness. Even there can be huge pockets of joy that can be enough to deeply fill our cups. So what does play look like for you? You know, what kind of play is available to you? You know, my adult love certain things and, and certain things feel like deep play to my adult. I know what my kid loves to do. And I try, especially now with the pandemic, um, as a priority for my mental health, for my ability to serve, to make it a priority every day to do um, stuff that really feeds my kid and stuff that really feeds my adult. And even yesterday, um, I was going through 900 scholarships. It took a, the better part of eight full hours um, and then carried over into the next day. And um, there were pauses 
in those eight hours that were significant and um, robust that allowed for, uh, you know, things that my little kid loves to do and pieces of music that both my kid loves and my adult loves. And I knew that I wouldn't necessarily have time to do some of what I do in my night ritual. Uh, I, I say ritual with like quotes, but just what, what I like to do to kind of close my day down. Um, and so I prioritize some of it in the morning, you know, so where, where, what's available to you and you're at home, you don't have your shit, you can't go out, you can't see anybody. Where's the 10 of cups for you? You know, what does that look like for you? Feeling our feelings. Six of cups is really the card that shows us and helps us and tells us what it is to feel our feelings. And this is a big one because of course, I'm not a therapist and I'm not here in any way, shape or form to advise or to tell you to, or to show you to, or to, uh, encourage you to feel into or bring up anything that overwhelms your capacity to cope or doesn't feel safe enough to feel on your own. Always call in the cavalry for that. Always call in, um, the help, you know, the support that you need to feel those things. Like I said, couldn't be in the room, quote, alone with my inner kid for a long time. We can call in support. Support is available now. It really is, even from afar, even from a distance. Volunteer support, friend support, therapy support, if that's a privilege that is available to you. Feeling our feelings. If we have feelings, they want to be felt. They want to be experienced. They want to be... um, they want to move through us. They want to be absolutely witnessed and regarded. And the only way to really do that is to come home to the heart. And Six of Cups is not a card of nostalgia for nostalgia's sake. It's such a lazy, lazy definition. And it's not anybody's fault. It's what we were taught. And it's not wrong because so much of what the inner child brings forward is, you know, huge, beautiful resurgences from memory. Um, so it's not completely off base, but it's not all that it is. And it's not certainly not a sense of nostalgia born of being off our path or going off into old, um, you know, floating away. It's not true. It's just, just isn't. Um, what Six of Cups does do is it invites us to walk into an initiation of heart healing. It reconnects us with our heart. In the Five of Cups, the card that comes before it, there's an, an enormous expression and experience of loss where we're literally so consumed with our sense of loss, be it a truly um, acute grief or an experience where we might feel the squeeze or the pang, or the tang, <laughs> certainly not the tang, uh, the pang of missing something or have made, made, you know, what if I made the wrong choice? Those experiences, that's all five of cups, that huge squeeze and tightness and, and um, the doubt and the fear. It's really painful in that card. Um, and typically, there's a kind of a closing of the heart that happens in the Five of Cups that, if we're willing to really be with Five of Cups, um, can invite us to plunge into that 
ocean, like while it's raining and, you know, the skies are stormy and to really be in that feeling of those three spilled cups, maybe knowing somewhere that the, um, you know, those, uh, you know, other cups will be meeting us someday, but really giving ourselves the opportunity to be with what is. Um, with Six of Cups, we go back to being children again. You know, in the Smith Rider Wait, there's two children on that card. And a lot of people say, and it makes total sense that it's a memory, like we're going back to a simpler time where, you know, we were offering these little things in the cups. And I actually think it's the next step because once we've gone through a five of cups experience, you spiral back to where you were as a child. You have to, because the inner child is the only one that really knows how to feel the feelings. You know, the inner child holds the feelings. Our job as the inner parent is to hold them as the container to help them grieve. And this works on two levels, right? Because the inner child gets the opportunity to be seen, to be heard, to be witnessed, to be affirmed, and so much reparation can happen around there. You know, so many of us have so many deep um, grooves of pain with our inner ch children because there've been there's been so much harm to us on us. And if you feel that way about your inner child, you're not alone. I've felt that way about mine for so long. And, um, you know, it's been the last few years of my life that, um, you know, steadily the harm, uh, and the amends that have been made have been enough to create a truly beautiful relationship with myself. But, um, it doesn't mean that there isn't still experiences where my inner child feels ignored or not seen. So, Six of Cups is a reopening of the heart. It's a touching back in with what was important to you before bitterness sunk in, before we felt so much pain and grief. It's, um, you know, if Five of Cups is the quote unquote, because it's not, but if it's the heartbreak, Six of Cups is the realization like, oh my God, like I can love again. Like I'm loving again. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling my feelings in this different way again. It's the dawning after a really hard time. So it's the opening of the heart and that deeply affects and heals and brings so much medicine to the inner child and it brings a hell of a lot to the adult. So how do you as an adult, as a caretaker, have your heart tended to? And I encourage you not to look at it so much as, um, well, I don't have anybody to tend my heart because you're the heart tender. Even if somebody is there with you, um, they can tend you all fucking day long. And if there's some part of you that feels unavailable to it or isn't as comfortable receiving from yourself, um, it'll be really hard to receive that from another person. So you might as well hang out with this now because there's really no getting away from it anyway. <laughs> um, you know, what makes your heart feel, what makes your heart feel like it soars? You know, what, what really, um, infuses your heart with a sense of connectedness what um fuels the heart you know what helps the heart um 
you know, your heart feel full and seen? And if you're answering that question, you're asking that question, rather, you're thinking, I don't know, this might be a really, really, really powerful turning point for you. And I also want to say too, that, um, these four experiences can also promote deeper connections with these cards. So for example, to go back to 10 of cups, if you engage in play with your inner child, like if you do arts and crafts or you do whatever it might be, you are opening yourself up to more 10 of cups moments. The more you connect with your inner child in those spacious moments of play, the more you're available for those rainbow moments, both as adult and child. And the more we feel our feelings, the more the heart expands, the more we feel into the heart, the more we care for the heart, the more that the heart begins to trust us, that we can begin to bring things forward that the heart really wants to share with us and wants to say. There's so much here that, you know, can be just completely transformative. And they work kind of, um, it's an ACDC thing, right? We can go in one direction, the current will flow, and the current also flows in the other direction. So you can go card first or intention first. Um, but yeah, what does that look like? What does heart work look like for your adult and your child? What would make you feel more nourished? in terms of your play, your connection to those rainbows? What are the rainbows for you as the caretaker? What does that look like for your child? What does it look like to, do you give yourself any permission to feel your feelings? Do you try to be super calm and super zen all the time? Do you try to um, do a lot to push them away? Is, do you feel like you do that because, you know, it, are you so deeply in your feelings that there actually isn't any room to weirdly feel them, you know, or, or to express them. And, uh, there's lots of places that we could go to with this, but yeah, opening up to that sixth cup, it's really, it changes something in us. It really, really does. And can be very useful. And especially right now, again, radical to think about what nourishes the heart in this time of my life in this time of experience that all of us are going through right now, where again, so much is uncertain, where we might be suffering, we might be working our asses off, we might feel super scared, super depressed. You know, what, what, um, what feels like it's within your reach? You know, even if it's putting a hand on the heart, ragged and exhausted, just saying like, okay, there's a hand on my heart right now. Sometimes that's enough too. The third piece is reclaiming our magic. So for many people listening to this, this isn't a stretch, right? We know what it is to feel really connected to magic. And yet many people listening to this might be very um, established in serving others. And a lot of their juice, a lot of their energy might be going to helping other people. And it might not feel like there's a whole lot of magic left in the tank for us. A number of us might feel like we have a lot of connection with other people's magic. Like we like other people's work, what other people have to say. We like, um, magic from other cultures that aren't our own. We're, you know, um, the inner child is 
um, and really, this is a crucial piece. Um, in the reclaiming of the inner child, there is a natural extension to connection with ancestors, whether they are your blood ancestors or your ancestral land. Um, and you don't have to go to the ancestral land. You don't ne necessarily need to know exactly where you're from. But there is an uncovering and a slow crawling, um, a slow walking, a slow feeling the ground, right, for that root, that one root that kind of takes us down into the hole, takes us down into the, into the, um, the underworld caves that sort of says, you know, follow that whisper, follow that trail, follow that voice, follow that flame. Where did you come from? And again, I'm not talking about, because that's an enormously triggering idea. So many of the people listening to this are descendants of slavery, are descendants of, um, you know, have been adopted, have, um, you know, just simply don't know. Um, it was lost to them. So many of us are, are crying out to know our ancestry, to know our ancestry and be able to track our ancestry should be a birthright. And it is one of the hugest privileges on the planet, essentially, and can be hugely, enormously triggering, especially coming from a white woman um, who does not, was not adopted and, you know, whose um, family has not been displaced um, by colonialist violence or by slavery, can be hugely triggering to um, hear someone like that speak about that. And so I'm really honoring that and bowing to it. Um, what I'm talking about is the, um, is the spirit, the soul of ancestral reclamation that can happen without us needing to necessarily know where we're from because we don't need to know our genealogy we don't need to know 23andme we don't have to we don't have to do any of that to open and connect not with what we feel was our past life but actually where our blood came from to let images come forward, to work with tarot decks that are a reflection um, that represent us and, and our what our ancestors might have looked like or the tools that they may have engaged with. That's um, so important. And the inner child remembers and is that link to the old ways. And that's part of the longer journey of reclaiming our magic. Um, because Again, the more connected we are with the inner child, the more that these pieces are going to unfold and are going to come forward for us in ways that we might not even be able to, you know, I, I feel like since I've started to do inner child work very slowly and very quietly, there have been all of these threads that have come forward and they've been so disparate, little threads like, um, you know, really all of a sudden wanting to know about this piece. And again, I have massive ancestral privilege. I know that uh, generally where my family came from. Um, but for many of us, we can have a, a slight sense. There can be a sense or there can be a memory or there can be stories or there can be um, maybe not necessarily anything earthly at all, but this, re this connection to something that we might feel very deeply in our body. We may um, you know, again, have visions or a sense of some kind, but we all have magic and we all have ancestors working with, around, and from us 
protecting us and holding us. Um, and it can be very easy to get caught up in this idea. Well, I hate all my blood relatives and they all suck. And I'd love for us to hold a space that there could have been a complete rewilding on the other side of the veil of your relatives, which is why when we work with ancestors, we always invite in the well ancestors, um, you know, which, you know, many people before me have said, we can just invite in the well ancestors, but the inner child is the gateway. The inner child remembers. The inner child can lead us to places that we might think like, oh, wow, like, damn. Like, I never even thought about this. And wow, that, that really sparks something in me. Reclaiming your magic might be deeply embracing um, kink. It might be deeply embracing your expression of gender, your expression of sexuality. It might be deeply connected to your actual ancestral root systems, your culture, your, you know, whatever it is, if you happen to be lucky enough to learn something about your culture in that very specific way. Um, but ancestry has everything to do. You know, if we come from a very long line of folks who are deeply expressive of their sexuality or were the opposite were not being in our radical selves in our radical expression of sexuality is a massive massive ancestral healing it's huge we're healing the whole line forward and backward that's we don't need to know anything about the lands that we're from to do that that's what I mean, reclaiming our magic. When Once we're connected with the inner child, the inner child leads us to these places that we may think like, what the fuck is this? And it's because the inner child is the purest essence of who we are. You know, we're not our feelings. We're, we're not. Ultimately, our feelings don't define us. But like, I was born a queer witch. I don't, I have no memory of ever being told this is what it is to be gay, to be queer. I just knew. Well, I love everybody. <laughs> like I'm, I am interested in all manner of bodies. I'm interested in all manner of expressions from a shockingly young age. I was born knowing. I knew. And there are some people who absolutely were not born knowing, and it's just as valid of an expression. Some people are still learning. That's so beautiful. It's beautiful, exquisitely beautiful and exquisitely heartbreaking and so hard across the board. And it's a huge, but a lot of the time for many of us, we can touch back in and go, I do remember there was something and that was your magic and your inner child's been holding that magic for you this whole time. Truly. Um, and that is encased in the page of cups. The page of cups can talk to fish. The page of cups dresses how they want to. The page of cups exists in this world as an emotional creature rooted to the land around them. The page of cups of all the cards in the tarot is the most able to fully be in the world while being completely in touch with their intuitive, emotional, psychic strengths and gifts. They are connected to living from in deep reclamation of their magic. What does this look like for the adult in you? And what does this look like for the child in you? How do, how do these things intersect? I find of all of these places, this is the most deeply woven and intersected for me. That the things that you might think are like purely for the adult are huge nourishment for the inner child as well. 
you know, what does it look like for the inner child to be reclaiming their magic? What does it look like for the adult in you to be reclaiming um, your, you know, your magic? You might imagine, you know, going outside and talking to fairies would not be an adult thing. And yet you could be the one that's really wanting that. The adult self or your kid just goes, well, I'm cool. It's like writing, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, reclaiming our magic. We're oven from nature. We are oven from magic. That is the birthright. And there are all kinds of beautiful avenues, be they ancestral reclamations, personal reclamations, um, reconnection to deep gifts within us that have been, that have been coursing through our veins since the moment we got to this planet and long before it, reclaiming our magic. It's huge. Page of Cups reminds us to be in our sacred imagination, to be engaging with those parts of ourselves, to be playing, you know, ultimately, and to be playing in our magic specifically. But the reclamation is so important because you've had it. That particular part of the way the magic and that magic exists and unfolds and expresses itself through you has absolutely been there. Your inner child has been keeping that for you. And the inner child can help us to sense into even more of that as adults. It's quite beautiful. And um, so you just want to ask yourself, what does that look like for you when you think about magic? Sometimes it's important to sort of do an undoing and a rewilding and to check in, like, is everything I know about magic told to me? Or, you know, do I get my ideas for rituals or ways to engage from like other people? Or do I ever come from my own desires and my own knowing if I ever really permission myself to, to just do what felt right or felt good? Or am I worried about it not being like magical enough? So inner child work means we let the inner child guide us to the magic. And we connect with the caretaker. Again, hugely radical act and say, caretaker, you're doing everything for everybody. I know you're tired. I know you're worn. I know you're exhausted. I know you're needing courage and comfort and strength right now. How can we reconnect you to magic? Because it truly is a part of what fills the cup up of the caretaker. It's really important. Our final piece in this four-part harmony is uh, compassion. So it's easier said than done, you know? Compassion means um, that we have genuine empathy and care for ourselves. That we can, or at least we can be willing to look upon our inner children and although we may really resent them, hate them, struggle with them, wish we didn't have to deal with them, sometimes we can feel little whispers of moments of being able to say like, oh wow, okay, you know, this is a being that's going through a really hard time right now. I know what it is to go through really hard times and to feel really scared and upset and I'm wondering if, even though I don't quite know what to do, or even if I feel some resistance, I'm wondering how I might be able to be there for this part of myself. And then for the caretaker, huge compassion. This is an essential piece of our inner child work and really 
being with this time in general is just massive compassion. We have no blueprint for this. No one, there are no books on this subject. No one has ever written a book, I don't think, um, like how to handle your inner child in the midst of a pandemic. <laughs> you know, like how to handle your own biological children with your inner child in the midst of a pandemic. It is a lot. Compassion. We learn this from Queen of Pentacles. Queen of Pentacles reminds us that the earth can hold everybody. And so we want to start there. And this might sound a little hard. We obviously know the earth is, is in a crisis right now. And yet there is still room for us to lay our body on the mother, even if it's on your apartment floor, and feel the sense of being held by your first parent, by your first holder of life, um, even beyond your own biological parent or birth giver or mother. Um, we can have compassion for the parts of ourselves that are working so hard that inevitably fail, that inevitably mess up, that inevitably don't quite get it right or, you know, whatever it is. We can have huge compassion for that. Queen of Pentacles is um, the one who caretakes the caretaker, is the one that really understands what it is that caretakers move through. It's the one that really says, there are wounds and places in you that you're giving from that are invisible to most people, but I see them and I want to help. I want to know how I can be of service to you. I want to make you that cup of tea if that feels right. I want to draw you a bath if that feels right. I want to nurture you in the ways that feel most easeful to receive, not in ways that are, you know, um, more uh, collectively associated with, with like healing, quote unquote, or with self-care, but, um, ones that really nourish you, ones that fill you up. And in order to accept and receive those things, we have to be able to touch in with compassion, to be able to say, I'm a human being who's really doing my best, even if it's not other people's bests. And even if other people can't recognize that I'm a human being doing the best I can today in this moment. Um, that is actually what's true. You know, we always have room to do a little better and we always have room to do a little worse. <laughs> um, but yeah, Queen of Pentacles says, whenever in doubt, start with hitting the floor. Start with placing your hands on the floor. Start with laying on the floor. Start with giving your weight over to what you're sitting on or laying on, like even as I'm sitting on this chair, you know, just feeling my muscles kind of relax into the chair is really powerful, you know, and it's not the floor and it's not the ground, but it's doing the trick. So compassion, so important. And eventually, not that all of us can so easily touch into this, compassion for the inner child. Because, um, again, although many of us are hugely triggered and very bothered by the inner child, they are super, super precious beings who are trying to figure this world out. So much doesn't make sense to them. Very often, um, they have parents who didn't necessarily know the right words to say, and we're really the ones who get to guide them now and show them and be there for them and, um, it's been some of the finest privileges of my life to be able to say to my inner child, I know how scared you are, sweetheart. I know how upset you are, but 
you don't ever have to worry about that again. Now you have me. And, you know, you're not with, you know, this person who treated you that way. You're not around these people. You're never going to be. I've got you. You're safe. And, you know, we got out of there. It's very, very powerful to be able to do that. So compassion, that's the one that really takes the longest. But if we can engage with Queen of Pentacles a little bit, it can help to, again, kind of like make a little bit more space. And the more we're able to activate our sense of compassion, the more it leads us naturally to embodying Queen of Pentacles. So there continues to be room for us to hold and be in what we're in, you know, in any given moment. Wow. These are basically like full workshops. <laughs> it's like the second one in a row that's been way over an hour. I mean, I feel like you can always just turn it off, but for whoever listened to the whole thing, um, again, I, this could have been a workshop and just wanted to be on a podcast. So I guess it makes sense that it's a little longer. Um, yeah, I think for the sake of time, I'm going to stop here. I'm sure I could go further, but why would I do that to you? Um, thank you so much for listening to this. I really hope it serves some of you and just be super gentle. You're not supposed to know everything about it. It's just an invitation to start thinking about this a little bit. Um, remember compassion, compassion means going at your pace, honoring where you are. It's a big part of compassion. Um, you know, take care of yourselves, be real sweet to yourselves. Um, as you heard in the beginning of the podcast, enrollment for Tarot for the Wild Soul is open. Huge. It's only going to be open for about two and a half weeks. Um, this is an eight-week tarot course for anyone who wants to learn how to read how we're talking about. And I'd say more specifically, you know, it is a tarot course for people who want to read from a more inclusive, evolutionary, trauma-friendly perspective, uh, trauma-informed perspective. Um, but more than anything, um, it's an opportunity to learn how to read tarot for stuff like this, rather than just doing a Celtic crossbred, which is so valid and beautiful. Um, what this course is essentially doing is how do we show up to the tarot in moments when our inner children are super activated or in moments when our feelings are so huge um, or in moments when we're feeling jealous or angry? You know, what what medicine, what nourishment um, in the appropriate moments can tarot bring? And and I think it's it's really it's not been like that in prior years, but it's been really important for this version of the course to flower into that to meet the needs of where folks are. So I'm really excited to be offering it. So if you're interested, you can go to tarotforthewildsoul.com to uh, enroll or to learn more. And yeah, thanks for listening. I love you all. Be well, and I'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to Tarot for the Wild Soul. This podcast was edited by Chase Voorhees. The podcast art is by Chelsea Iris Granger, and it is hosted by me, Lindsay Mack. For more about the podcast, visit wildsoulpodcast.com or follow us on Instagram at Tarot for the Wild Soul. For more about me and my work, please visit lindsaymack.com. 
To support Tarot for the Wild Soul, please consider subscribing to the podcast on iTunes and leaving us a five-star review. It helps people find us and it is greatly, greatly appreciated. Thank you so much for being here.